So just thinking a little bit more of not everything can be attributed just so kind of neatly and black and white. So as much as we can't track every single thing on the thought leadership side, it often does pay off in the long run. It's just, it's a longer game than putting money behind PBC, obviously. This is Erin Balsa from House of Bold, and you're listening to the Notorious Thought Leader Podcast. More and more B2B marketers are talking about thought leadership. Some companies are even renaming their blog, the Thought Leadership Blog. But what does it actually mean to be a thought leader? And how are top B2B marketers using thought leadership to generate demand? That's what we're here to find out. My guest today is Tara Robertson, Senior Manager of Demand Gen at Chili Piper. Thanks for being here today, Tara. Thanks so much for having me, Erin. Excited to be here. Of course. So I really wanted to have you on because in my opinion, you really walk the walk when it comes to using content to produce demand. A lot of people think demand gen, paid PPC, paid social, right? So I can tell that you're someone who thinks beyond that. Um, and, you know, you write the sauce newsletter for Chili Piper. You now you're hosting the demand gen chat podcast. So you really are doing all these wonderful things to create content to drive demand. And I'm really curious to know, you know, how much thought leadership plays into your content strategy and demand gen strategy at Chili Piper. So I'd love to talk about that. But first, I wanted to start off, before I interview anyone for this podcast, I ask people to fill out these 10 yes or no questions. And I say, spend no more than 10 seconds. I just wanna get your you know, gut reaction to these. And I asked you, yes or no, is thought leadership a misunderstood term? And you said yes. And I'm wondering why you said yes. Sure. Yeah. I think when a lot of people think of thought leadership, they think of like a CMO or an exec kind of speaking down at everyone and almost lecturing people about what it is they want to talk about. And I really like to think of it as more of a peer-to-peer kind of conversation. So that's kind of the most, I guess the most misunderstood part of it is that you don't have to be a CMO or a VP marketing to be a thought leader. That's super interesting. And that's a great note because I've actually asked one of the other questions that I ask is, do you have to be an executive to be a thought leader? And I think that that's a misconception, right? You need to have some sort of profile that people find you credible and that they trust your expertise. But if I am you know, a high-performing individual contributor who's been in this field for 20 years, I for sure am gonna have some pretty great experience and the ability to, you know, produce thoughts that are unique. And so I totally agree with that. I don't think you have to be an executive. I think it might be easier to be seen as a thought leader because your title lends you that credibility. But I think in today's world, you know, leadership at every level is something that's really important. And I think a lot of companies are understanding that they have to allow their employees at all levels to be autonomous and to manage up and to have that freedom to share their thoughts online. So I totally agree with you and thank you uh, for sharing that. The next question I would love to ask you, since it is misunderstood and since everyone does define thought leadership differently, how do you define thought leadership? What does it mean to you? Yeah, for me, I think it really depends on what you're trying to do at the end of the day, what your goals are as a marketing team. So for us, it's a little bit meta, but we're marketing to marketers. So I'm really trying to connect with people in my exact role who are typically the buyers of our software. So my goal is for people that are peers of mine to look to me for inspiration, for learnings from tests that we're running, 
and really just insights on what's changing and what's coming up in marketing. So to me, being a thought leader is meeting all of those objectives. So they think, okay, I can follow her and see kind of what's new. What is she reading? Who does she follow? And I think that varies again, depending on who your audience is. Maybe if you're selling to CMOs, then the thought leader at your company should be a CMO. Um, So I would definitely take that into consideration. But really the goal for me is to share not just what I think of things, but what I'm seeing and what I've really done and tested and tried. So I'm trying to spend more time on that piece of things as well. I love that. You know, I talked to Chris Walker like two days ago and he had made a similar comment about, you know, if you are selling a software uh, to, you know, CTOs, maybe your internal subject matter expert that is like kind of your crux of thought leadership is a CTO themselves. Right. And that's a great point. And I think that, you know, being that you're selling to marketers and you're doing the work. So you do have, you know, the ability to be seeing these patterns, finding ways to, you know, do things differently and new. And so that means that to people that are at your level or above, they're viewing you as probably a thought leader. And it's funny because for me, I hate being called a thought leader and I see other people as thought leaders and I'm like, oh, you know, you're a thought leader. And they're always like, ew, don't call me that. So I feel like everyone that, you know, someone calls you it, it feels kind of cringeworthy, but at the same time, you are based on how others perceive you, even if you don't necessarily perceive yourself as one, right? It's like such a interesting, interesting thing. So you kind of hinted at this, you know, you are enabling employees at Chili Piper to be sharing their own thoughts and you all are very active on LinkedIn. I really love the Chili Piper crew. I've met a few of you guys in person in Boston. There was a really nice event. You all are so nice and so great. And, you know, I really want to kind of dive into more of what role does thought leadership play at Shelly Piper in your marketing strategy, content, demand gen, the whole kit and caboodle? How do you kind of think about thought leadership and how does it play a role? Yeah, I think just going back to your earlier point around being a little cringeworthy (laughs) to be called a thought leader. I think the way that we talk about it internally is we wouldn't necessarily say we're doing thought leadership. We would say we're writing this content because we personally think it's really interesting and we think someone else will think it's interesting too. And I think because we do that, it helps people internally just honestly want to share it organically. So we're not, you'll see a lot of our sales reps and our marketing folks, but other teams as well are sharing our content on LinkedIn and it's not because we're forcing them or we're paying them a bonus to share on LinkedIn. We just organically share things that we think are interesting. And I think that really goes a long way in terms of helping employees want to share that content as well. We also, this is kind of before we even hire someone, but we do take into consideration that we want to hire people that actively do want to post on social and want to grow. You don't have to have a big following to be hired. It's nothing like that, but we just, that we know that that helps reinforce the brand. We know it helps with or get things like organic reach if you're actively trying. So I wouldn't call that recruiting thought leaders necessarily. Um, But we do look for that as part of our hiring process that you see the value in social media and that you want to grow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So do you think that it's possible to hire people and then kind of teach them and push them to be posting original content or sharing the company's content? Do you think that's possible too? Yeah, I would. I feel like push sounds a little more aggressive than what we do. <laughs> We're pretty soft about it, but um, <laughs> but we do have our social media manager. Marioli is amazing at what she does. If you follow us on LinkedIn, you already know that. But um, so we've started being just more intentional with it. So instead of 
we have a Slack channel, obviously, where we post things that we would love the team to share. So instead of just doing that constantly throughout the week, we have a dedicated hour where we ask everyone to help out with very specific posts. So actually this morning, it's on on Thursday mornings and we have a 15-minute block in every single person's calendar. And just being a little more intentional about it and making sure that people know, hey, I should take a five-minute break and just look at what social is posting today. And that just helps us amplify all and get excited around the same content that week. I love that. So how does that exactly work? Do you have like an internal Slack channel where, you know, the post of the day is shared and then people know to go there at, you know, whatever calendar reminder goes off, they know to go into that Slack channel. Is that how it works? Yeah, we do both. So people need multiple notifications, especially with Slack, it's constant, right? So we do have a calendar invitation for the whole company. And then in that, we have our basically just a Google Doc link. So pretty basic, but that has suggested content. So we're not saying, please copy and paste this post and put it on your LinkedIn. But we're saying, here's a couple of things we want to amplify. So for example, right now, there's a ton of events coming up in September that we're sponsoring, things like happy hours. So we're really trying to drive attendance to those. So instead of saying like, copy and paste this exact post to your LinkedIn, we're just saying, here's the events, here's the links, here's some suggested bullet points that you can use, but please personalize it. So if everybody at the company takes two minutes to do that, then we get obviously way more organic reach than if it was just our company page. That's awesome. And what percentage would you say of the the staff that actually does this? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. If I had to guess, I would say about a quarter, but it definitely varies week over week, depending on obviously things like vacation, who's busy that day, if you're booked. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I I have found that that's really helpful too. And I I know a lot of companies don't make it a block, right? So it's built in every day at you know nine fifteen. You take fifteen minutes to you know comment on this post. But I think if you can't do that and your company's not there yet, at least make sure you build this into every content campaign. So let's say that you know once a month you do a campaign and you have this piece of big content or this key asset. For sure, that needs to be part of your launch day strategy. You need to have something on the calendar. You need to tell employees why it's important. And you need to actually give them suggested copy, which they can make their own. They can tweak it. And you know what I always say too, like we would love if you would be able to take this copy, make it your own. We would also love, even if you can't do that, if you're not comfortable doing that, because some people just aren't comfortable putting themselves out there and that's okay. You know, I use the word push. I gently push, but I acknowledge (laughs) that, you know, you might not be comfortable and that's okay. But please like and comment on the main company post at least, because a lot of times if people just share it or they just paste the link, that gets so much less views, right? You get the most views when you're getting a large quantity of employees to comment on and like the one main post. So that's another kind of good takeaway for people. Yeah, I think just taking that organic social seriously, because everyone says like, oh, yeah, we should post that on our company page. But if you really put a concerted effort behind it, it can be a really strong channel the same way that say the newsletter is for us. We have thousands of marketers that get this in their inbox, but we also have thousands of marketers that follow each single person at Chili Paper. So Right. So thinking about Chili Piper and your individual posts, I see a lot of you are actively promoting events and different things like that and, you know, podcast episodes. And that's great. What about original content? So where do people start? So it's 
you know, it's a world where if you're a marketer, it's really easy to post content for other marketers, right? But what about people that, you know, they work at Chili Piper, but they're not necessarily marketers. So they might be nervous that they lack the subject matter expertise to kind of share these thoughts on LinkedIn. Do you have kind of any advice for, um, you know, people who want to post, but they're not necessarily the the expert in that area. Do you think that those people should still be creating content? And if so, do you have any advice around that? Yeah, I think for social and LinkedIn content specifically, I would start with what you do know. So we have a lot of people, especially like on our SDR team, for example, who they don't have a marketing background. They're just dipping their toes and trying to learn. So they'll post things like, Hey, I just found these two new marketing podcasts or I found this book. Does anyone have recommendations for what else I can learn? And then they, I've even seen them start conversations with people they're prospecting in the comments and just going back and forth. So start, I would start with what you do know, and then you can kind of work up from there. We also have made our, our marketing team is pretty available so they can ask us to, for a second opinion on things before they want to post or go to our content marketing team and ask for a quick copy edit. So I think just making those resources available to people when they do want help can go a long way. But I wouldn't say that everybody has to post as if they're an expert because that could be a little tricky. <laughs> I could just see some posts not landing well or just missing the mark, right? Right. So that's a good point. And that's why a lot of times, a lot of companies, they will, you know, ask their internal subject matter experts that truly are experts in whatever it is that we're selling. And those are the people who, you know, their insights will connect well with the buyers. But what if those people do not want to create content, right? They're like, I'm not comfortable creating content or I want to, and I'm comfortable. I'm just too busy to be creating content. And I'm talking about writing content on LinkedIn, writing blog posts, things like that. What would you or what do you do to kind of harvest the brilliance of these internal subject matter experts so that you're able to use their insights for content that really connects with your target buyers? Yeah, this is actually really good timing for this chat because we're working on something that our content team is leading hopefully to be released in September. Um, But we're calling it Centers of Excellence. So we're actually hoping to have an article published by pretty much every single department, including like finance or people team. And these, again, are people that aren't regularly writing or especially like marketers do on LinkedIn, (laughs) writing about what they do. So we're actually doing kind of facilitating those articles by doing either... Yeah. So for someone like myself, who's a marketer, I'm already writing. I'm a little bit more comfortable. So I'll write a draft, share it with my content team, and they'll give me some pretty thorough edits and we'll go back and forth just in a Google Doc. But for someone like, say, our people team or even the finance team, they aren't regular contributors to things like a blog or even writing on LinkedIn very often. So what our content team has been doing is offering to write it, kind of ghostwrite it for them through an interview. So just like a podcast interview, they'll show up with an outline, some questions, and then just have a conversation basically with that person, get their take on how their team is growing, what they're working on. And then the content writer will be essentially pick out the interesting parts and write that article for them with obviously a lot of back and forth and help from that team because they're the expert at the end of the day. But trying to really bring in the content team where we can to kind of pick out those interesting tidbits so that the work isn't all on someone like say a VP of finance who has a lot on his plate, obviously, but who has very interesting insights to share. That's cool. What gave you the idea to create centers of excellence? 
I'm not sure, not sure what the inspiration was, but our co-founders are very passionate about us kind of building in public the whole idea of just sharing our learnings as we go. And it, so it did stem from that idea and we're just hoping to kind of grow on it and build. So right now we're doing a great job. I think of talking about what we're learning about on the marketing side, but not across the business. So a lot of people want to know, Hey, how do you get things done as a remote team? We have people all over the world. So how does that work? How does it work for hiring? So we're trying to dive into those topics a little bit more. I love that. And I think that's like the easiest route to collecting, you know, insights from these really smart, really busy people is Mm -hmm. to conduct an interview because a lot of people think, you know, I see people offering ghostwriting services for executives on LinkedIn all the time. It's like, yeah, you spend like 10 minutes with us a month and we'll write your daily post for a month. And I just don't know how that's possible. I feel like it's going to take a lot more collaboration. It doesn't mean I need to interview you for an hour every other day. Maybe it means that I'm going to record your speaking sessions. Maybe it means I'm going to pull from podcast appearances you were on. Maybe it means you're speaking at a team meeting or an all company meeting. I'm going to record that and I'm going to find ways to create content uh, around that. So there's all these different ways to harvest the brilliance of these people, right? Interviewing is a great way. Recording conversations is a great way. What you can't do is just you know, pretend that you know what they're going to say, because it's never going to be what their insights are, right? Because you're not in their head, you don't have their experience. And for me, when I think about thought leadership, it's exactly what you said at the beginning, you're doing the work, you have these unique experiences and these unique insights. So how could you do that if you're ghostwriting for an executive that you speak with 10 minutes once a month, right? You don't know all of their unique thoughts and history and experience. Right. And the benefit of having a content person in-house owning that project too, is they can decide okay, what should the next step be if someone reads this article? What should that CTA be? Where if, again, say someone on the finance team was writing it, that wouldn't necessarily be where their brain goes after writing a blog post. It's interesting too, when you do open up the blog to people across the company, which I did a lot in my last job, we had so many really smart, interesting people. And you really do have to work so hand in hand with the content team. I agree with that because if you're just like, hey, anyone can write for the blog, you're going to get a lot of really interesting things that would have been really nice in their industry publication. You know, like that's great that you want to write this brilliant article about, you know, data science or finance or whatever it is, but that's not going to connect with our audience of marketers or HR leaders, right? So you have to really work hand in hand to nail the topic and the angle. And something that I always like to do, it's so simple. It's like, what do you want the reader to know, think, and do? And that can kind of set that subject matter expert off in the right direction. And then you can come up with content that requires less editing for the content team, which I'm sure they appreciate, right? (laughs) (laughs) Cool, so another yes or no question that I ask people is, is a company's strategic narrative the ultimate form of thought leadership? And the reason that I ask this is all the companies that I work with, they're all investing so heavily, resources, time, money, in creating a strategic narrative. And I truly believe strategic narratives, and you know, some people call that an original point of view, it's so, so important for your messaging. I think it's critical and it's a good use of money. So I was curious to ask people, you know, is this the ultimate form? Because companies are investing so heavily in it. And down the board so far, everyone I've asked has said no. And you said no. So I'm curious, you know, why did you say no to that question? Yeah, I think to me, strategic narrative is just a little self-serving. Maybe that's one way I look at it. So if I was 
say following someone on LinkedIn and all they were posting was about their company and how their company is better than the competition and why you should take a look at their product, I think I would unfollow them pretty quickly. So I think you do need a strategic narrative and kind of a thorough line for all of your content that just kind of makes it make sense. So people aren't just posting totally random disconnected things. But at the same time, I'd much rather hear from that person something that they did that day or something they learned that day versus here's our company's strategic narrative and what we have to say about X. I just don't know that people would follow them for a very long time if that's all they posted. Yeah, that's so interesting you say that because a lot of the thought leadership, it's less about necessarily the company and it's less necess- it's not necessarily always mapped to the software capabilities, right? So it might be that you're doing this interesting thing in marketing or that you're spotting this new trend. And so for example, let's say that you have a software that's for HR people and it helps you uh, ask better interview questions. But those HR people are also going to be really interested in other topics like remote work and your software might have nothing to do with remote work. You should still talk about that if you're finding unique insights that are interesting to your audience, right? Right. Yeah. And if your article is always either starting or ending with, by the way, here's our product. Yes. I think it's, it's just tough to keep people interested when you're doing that. And I think people have a hard time because it's all this talk around product-led content. And some people think that every single content piece has to talk about the product. Uh, You know, I I have found that a good split is like 20 to 30% of the total content should talk about the product. And I don't just mean in the last line you say, you know, request a demo. I mean, the actual content shows people how to use the product to solve relevant problems. Um, Do you think about you know, product-led content and thought leadership in terms of percentages? Like, how do you kind of think through that at Chili Piper? Yeah, we don't actually have a set number. I think, again, to your point, we want to weave it into the content where it makes sense. So if it's something like a customer story, obviously we'll talk very specifically and in the weeds of what did they use to get that result? What what pieces of the platform, what were they doing before and after? So it'll get pretty in the weeds with that. But if it's a post from say someone on LinkedIn about an A-B test that we ran, if it really didn't have anything to do with the product, then we won't mention the product because it's just a bit silly to bring that in. So not not an exact split, but again, just kind of context dependent. I love that you're just being thoughtful about it, right? It's like, you need to be helpful. You need to sell a product too. Like you do have to find that delicate balance between... Right. Yeah. So I love that you're being intentional and thoughtful about that. We are trying to be a little bit more intentional though about always having a next step for everything. So even if it is like a very top of funnel post about say, here's an email that we A-B tested or here's a landing page we tested. We do want a next step for people that are really interested in our learning. So it's usually not product related, but it'll be something like, we had a conversation about this on demand gen chat, go check that out. Or you should subscribe to the newsletter for more like this. So just being a little bit more intentional about having some kind of next step. But again, it's most of the time not going to be product. And I love that because, you know, people doing their self-serve journey, they want to kind of, they want to find things that interest them on their own, but also it's nice to have suggestions of things that you know might be interesting because you have access to different customer journeys and you know that people that are interested in this are also interested in this and you can kind of lead the way and be that that guide and that Sherpa. So I love that you're doing that too. Cool. So last question. Another question I asked you prior to this call was, should all B2B companies be producing thought leadership? 
And you said yes. And this is another question that most people that have uh, filled out this form and answered these questions said yes to. So tell me, why did you say yes? Why should B2B companies be using thought leadership as part of their strategy? Sure. Yeah. I think the biggest reason is that it's just a bigger decision when you're buying something B2B, right? It's not just, oh, I saw an ad on Instagram for this thing and I'm going to put it in my cart and buy it right now. It's you have to really be interacting with the whole buying committee and you don't always know what social platforms they're on, if they read your newsletter. So really just trying to be in front of people as much as you can. And it's you're not always going to know exactly who's engaging with you where, especially on something like LinkedIn, they might be reading your posts and not interacting. So you can't always track it. So to me, that's even more reason to just try to be everywhere that your buyers are. And obviously content and thought leadership is a great way to do that. I love that. And I I found too, like with B2B, there's a lot more new stuff that you have to wrap your head around because you don't have like context yet for what this thing is. And that happens a lot less in B2C, right? It's like B2C, I'm selling a computer, I'm selling lipstick. Uh, You know, unless you're like Airbnb creating a whole new kind of ride share, uh, home sharing category or Uber with ride sharing. In B2B, there's so much new stuff that you never knew existed and you kind of have to make sense of it. And so, yeah, it's not going to be an easy sell. Like you might need to educate me on what the heck you're even talking about. Right. And I see that (laughs) a lot. And so thought leadership is a great way to help people understand, you know, what's the problem in the market? Why do we exist? Why should you care? And it's kind of the story that's unfolding over time and these are long sales cycles. These things do make time, do take time, right? Think about like the first live chat or the first cloud CRM, like all these things, people have to wrap their heads around it. And I think personally thought leadership is the right vehicle combined with product content too, because obviously you need to educate them on the why and the product content. So love that. Tara, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up that you didn't get to say that you wanted to share? I would just say that I think you mentioned at the beginning that demand gen used to be very focused on like paid PPC and thought leadership was kind of maybe off to the side somewhere. Um, I do think that they're kind of meeting in the middle somewhere where like my role today, for example, I spend a lot of time in both worlds, but it is interesting to see things like I'll look at a lead that in our CRM says it came from say page search. But then if I listen to that gong call with that, the demo call that they had with that person, they'll say, Oh, I heard someone on a podcast. So then I Googled you. And so just thinking a little bit more of not everything can be attributed just so kind of neatly and black and white. So as much as we can't track every single thing on the thought leadership side, it's, it often does pay off in the long run. It's just, it's a longer game than putting money behind PVC, obviously. For sure. And I mean, we've been doing thought leadership on stages for years and going to trade shows and speaking. So why not place that bet? where you can reach more people on a steady occurrence instead of just once a year, right? It seems like a pretty smart move to me. So awesome, Tara, thank you so much for being here. This has been a lot of fun. And I know that your you know your thoughts are really valuable to people who are listening. So thank you so much for your time. If people would like to follow you, um, where can they follow you? Of course, I'll put your links all in the show notes for anyone who wants to come to the website and view the show notes. But if they're just listening, where can they follow you? Sure. So I'm probably most, I'm trying to be most active on LinkedIn. Um, so follow me there. And I would also love it if you wanted to check out our podcast, Demand Chat, always looking for feedback on that. Awesome. Thank you so much and have a great day. And thank you for listening. 
The Notorious Thought Leader is brought to you by House of Bold, a content strategy and messaging studio for B2B SaaS companies who need bold content that makes them buckle up, pay attention, and take action. To find out more about House of Bold, head to houseofbold.com. That's H-A-U-S. And then make sure to subscribe to The Notorious Thought Leader in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So you never miss an episode. Thanks for joining me. See you next time.